In this episode of Octal FM, we give a rundown of some of our favourite bargain games of all time that are all £10 or less. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Gelada. And I'm Saffron. And today we are returning to a list-based episode. And uh, we're also going for quite a classic formula. And we're going to list some of our uh, games that we think that you should try that are under £10. And we've got sort of three each. There's quite a variety um, of games here, um, but nonetheless, they're all excellent. And I think there's bound to be at least one or two that you've not heard of. And I'll start with one of the games that I wanted to talk about, which was VVVVVV. Is that is that the actual title or is it just V? No, it's definitely VVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVV
it's been re-released on lots of platforms so it's very easy to get hold of so long as you're not someone that gets too frustrated by like tricky platformers it's got a very quick restart like checkpoint uh, restart mechanic yeah it's almost immediate so death and respawning is, is literally immediate which is my absolute favorite <laughs> like like that is what i want from a game that you know like super meat boy for example like i was going to say the exact same comparison to super meat boy which is interesting because we've complained in the past the super meat boy's respawn time is actually a little slow almost yeah. which is interesting because it's not slow at all but it's just slower than you want it to be when you just want to have another go at it straight yeah. away but vvv definitely does just that like when you die you have like maybe what a half a second sort of like yeah. death animation i it's think really and then quick. you you're put back at the nearest checkpoint which is usually just at the beginning of the puzzle bit that you've died at yeah absolutely and yeah so it's definitely if you've missed it then stop missing it and pick it up and give it a go it's it's a lot of fun it's one of those games you can be super proud of that you managed to complete certain challenges on yes it, it's it's certainly something that you can go damn right i finished that you know it makes you feel really kind of confident and good about yourself that you finished it because it's a puzzler so you have to kind of work out how to do it but then you also have to work out how to actually make your hands do it as well yeah it requires some really accurate movement and controls sometimes yeah and it's very rewarding when you get it just right definitely but yeah that's that's sort of my my first choice on this list what about you seth well, I went for, interestingly, because I'm going to jump onto this one, uh, another originally Flash-based game. Oh, yeah. Uh, which has also made sort of the jump to, to PC and other systems, uh, and that's Shellshock Live. Mm. That's basically tanks. I don't know if you remember playing like mm-hmm. tanks back in school, where you just lob artillery shells at each other, uh, and you just choose the angle and the pa- firepower, and that's it. But that's basically what Shellshock Live is, just a more up-to-date, sort of like flashier version of that. It's available on PC and Xbox One, which is, I think, really cool because I think it has a really good multiplayer environment on the Xbox. Mm. Uh, it is four ninety nine or £5.79 if you're on Xbox One because apparently they can just charge more. Microsoft um, tax. There are like free Flash versions of the game as well, so you don't even have to pay for the, the full version sort of thing straight away. You can kind of play a the older sort of more watered down version just to get a feel for if you like it or not but the 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 paid for version has like a full sort of multiplayer service in, embedded in it so you can kind of just join lobbies and spectate games and do tournaments and stuff without any additional payment although whether or not you need live or whatever it is mm. to do that i don't know i assume you probably would i would imagine so but it, it kind of makes i quite like that that it like the multi any online multiplayer and stuff they're gonna have to be looking after like there's servers there to to look after so it's quite nice that you have to pay for that one and it's like that kind of directly reflects their costs right yeah i suppose so and it's such a cheap game on the basis of things that you're probably already paying for the network anyway so you might as well just get something extra out of it i guess yeah uh it's developed and published by the same people well same person in fairness it's just one man called k champ games uh, and it's surprising how massively popular the game's kind of blown up, especially on sort of the streaming side of things. Like it's quite a popular streaming game on Twitch and YouTube. Oh, yeah. And for a single developer making a game that's kind of done this well, like it reminds me of sort of some other games on this list, but also things like Stardew Valley as well, which you can really, you really appreciate like the hard work and effort someone's put into making this game just mm-hmm. right. Um, but there's not really much to say about it other than exactly what it is, which it's it's tanks. Um, the main sort of draw of it is the multiplayer, I would say, in the there's lots of different modes for it. So you have sort of your standard kind of deathmatch or team deathmatch mode, 
But then you also have things like juggernaut mode where it's like all versus one sort of thing where one person's going to be a lot more powerful than like three or four other people. Uh, it has sort of like challenge modes where you have to like hit targets or only aim for specific targets on the map and your de- weapons won't do any other damage. And you can tweak the settings to all your your desire so you can change the wind settings you can change the terrain settings you can change the power of weapons and how much health you start with etc and it also has a really satisfying kind of leveling up system as well in the ways you level up you can put more points into areas of your tank so you can become either like more health or you can have better tracks you can move over sort of steeper cliffs and hills Hmm. feels rewarding to play through and level up it tails off after a while like once you start hitting the higher levels you have to play a lot of the games to level up like a mm. lot a lot but i mean the games usually only last say no more than between five to ten minutes depending on how many people are in it so you know it's 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 fine it's pretty fun to do that uh, it also comes with a really fun little single player puzzler challenge section Mm. so it's not sort of a single player campaign in the strictest sense it's more a case of here's an environment kind of like those old say like pokemon card game puzzles that you have to figure out or magic the gathering puzzles where you're given a scenario where you have to kind of complete it in one move for example with the resources that you have in hand Mm. and it's kind of like that so you've got like defeat the three tanks in like two turns or something with only this one weapon or something like that Mm. and you have to kind of figure out how best to use it which is really enjoyable as a puzzler but it's also a great way of teaching you all the different weapons and the mechanics in the game and how to make best use of the different weapons because a lot there's so many weapons there's so so many weapons there's like a hundred plus weapons to, to learn and they all sort of work slightly differently a lot of them have the same sort of idea of you fire it at a person and it explodes and it hurts them but yeah. they all sort of move in interesting ways or they maybe like bounce in ways or mm. they affect the enemy in a different way whatever so it's interesting like it's, it's cool because it's a lot of mileage out of what is essentially a very simple concept and also mm. a concept that's been done like a dozen times if not hundreds of times you know and so that's it's cool that there's sort of you know there's a lot there's quite a lot of different variety there for something that is fairly straightforward and also cheap right mm, exactly for i mean the full price version of the game is like say five pounds um uh, which does give you so much mileage i think i've got like 30 40 hours in the game wow. alone yeah that's crazy so you know i think entertainment per value is is fantastic there it's, yeah you know, skyrocketed so I highly recommend it. It's almost just as a chill out game with maybe a couple of friends or something. Mm. You know, you can either jump online and, and play solo with other people online, but going into a lobby with a couple of friends and just like just just relax it. You don't even have to stress too much because once you've locked in your t- in your turn, you just sort of wait for the timer to run out or till everyone's finished, kind of lining up their shots and pressing fire. Yeah. So you just use it as an opportunity to just kind of relax and chat with friends whilst yeah. also kind of like game. worms, right? Like similar sort of. Yeah, know, it's got a vibe. very similar vibe to worms. It's it's a lot more um, kind of straightforward and yeah. streamlined than worms. Yeah, like, yeah I yeah. feel worms has gotten quite bloated in recent years. Oh, definitely. Yeah, but it's got that sort of key idea of relaxing whilst blowing each other up yeah. <laughs> gameplay nice the worm still so i i definitely recommend shout shock live it, mm. it, it's an oldie but a goodie mm. and speaking of things that are old but good uh my my next choice is a game that has been that is now over 10 years old uh and that is world of goo now it's interesting all of my games are, are um, single player games mm. uh, whereas you've got a bit more of a you've got a mix with shell shock live there as well but mm. world of goo yeah, it came out back in 2008. Um, it's, I think, about £7. I think it's £9 on Switch. And it's uh, another puzzle game. And at the time when it came out in 2008, 
one of the big focuses was that it was on Wii. Um, so it was a WiiWare title and it was it worked very well on the Wii because it used the pointer and that worked very well for it. Um, it was also on mobile and it was kind of in those, you know, she thinks 2008, that sort of early days of like iPad and, and iPhone and, and stuff like that. And Back so when all mobile games weren't just gash upon machines. Right. And there was this sort of interesting time in video game journalism where a lot of indie games that were released on mobile and stuff like that could very easily get quite high praise. And so World of Goo is a very, very good game. But actually, I was looking back at some of the coverage, you know, and sort of YouTube videos and, and you know, reviews and discussions about it. First of all, because it was a mobile and indie and WiiWare title, it didn't get huge reviews, um, you know, because it was just quite a small game in mm. terms of it's it wasn't like a triple A. But it's widely regarded as like flawless. Like there's really not a lot about it that people are critical of. It's really funny how those early mobile games just got such a free pass, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And but it but it was really genuinely very good. And you can play it on Switch now as well. Um, and obviously iOS and Android and PC. Um, so they're the ones to pick it up on. I would say maybe try and play it on a tablet rather than a phone mm. um, because. It's quite, you might not have enough space to like yeah. move your finger around and it can be, even though it's a puzzler and there's no time limit, sometimes it can be quite fast paced because you need to react quickly to stuff happening. Mm. And it's basically a physics based puzzler where you, um, you're guiding some blobs, some cute little blobs of goo that have little eyes <laughs> to an exit. And you do that by maybe like building structures and there are different types of goo. So there's like a normal one that you can just like position uh, and it kind of attaches to other bits of goo. And then you can use that to like build bridges or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. Then there's also like ones that you can reuse that like stick to things. And then there's balloons that you can use. And you have like a certain maximum number of goo that you need to get to the finish like if you just build crazy structures, you won't get enough to the end. You need to like minimize your use of goo to get mm. as much unused goo to the end as possible. Do you know what's an interesting combination of, right? It's like yeah. those bridge simulator games. Oh yeah, 100%. Forget. Yeah. But also cross with lemmings. Yeah, no, exactly that. That is, I, I should have just started with that. Like it's, it's, it's a bridge building <laughs> game crossed with lemmings, 100%. And there's loads of variety. It's probably, how long to beat reckons it's like six hours. Um, I, that's probably about right. I would say it's six plus. I don't think it's probably less than six hours. There's a lot of content in terms of there's a lot of puzzles, a lot of variety and some real challenge in there as well. And you can also, there is like a high score element in that you can go back and like try and complete a challenge with using less goo. And there's also a little bit of a like story narrative. It doesn't really take itself too seriously because it is literally like blobs of goo with eyes on. But it's sort of telling a bit of a story about consumerism and like the fashion industry and the beauty industry and like makeup <laughs> and stuff like that. It's a real great challenge and it's really fun and genuinely like delightful to play uh, and to solve the puzzles. And none of them are too ridiculously hard you know unlike vvvvv it's probably not going to make you like scream when you when you lose <laughs> because it's fairly relaxed and you know you you can take your time looking at the level and being like okay how am i going to solve this you know a little bit lemming style in that in that regard in that it's not crazy frustrating but yeah and i, and I really like that you can it's you know even though it's that old you can still pick it up on switch 
It was made by, I think, it was it 2D Boy was the name of the company? I can't remember now. Oh, I don't They've know. made some other games as well um, that are sort of in the same style. And it's got some interesting history as well about, you know, when they made it. And it was sort of started off as a prototype. And they had, you know, it was like two people. I think one of them used to work at EA and he like quit his job and made World of Goo, which I guess maybe is sort of where some of that narrative on consumerism comes from. Um, now we're getting deep. Yeah, but... It's just really good, you know, and it was, it was so, it won so many awards and it was so widely heralded mm. as like a real standout, you know, fantastic game. And I think that it's timeless, you know, the graphics are just very straightforward and simple and you can play it now and get exactly the same level of enjoyment as playing it in 2008. So if you've missed it, you know, don't miss it <laughs> and, and definitely play it. And it's well, well worth the money. It's one that the developers will continually put on any console they can get it on to make another ten pounds or whatever. Right, it absolutely. And it's and, <laughs> and why not? Because it, it, it is timeless and it and it's and it's good. <laughs> you know, and that, and that level design is 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 worth it for sure. I'm going from one game which was quite well received and well known to maybe one for me which I really enjoy, but I don't feel as particularly high on people's radar and that's a game called cook serve delicious specifically i'm talking about its sequel because it's sort of just more of everything but Mm. both games can realistically fall in this category it is available on pc and ps4 and it's coming to xbox one and switch later on in 2019 uh, which is showing that i'm not just pc focused on my games (laughs) Uh, i've tried to try to avoid where possible Mm. the the second game is 9.99 although it I did cheat. It is twelve ninety nine on PS4, so oh, okay. I sort of get away with the fact that it's within price range. <laughs> just uh, on, kind on of PC, just sort of, and it's developed and published by a company called Vertigo Gaming, who don't seem to have done too much of other note really. Hmm. Uh, like I couldn't find out much of the games that they've done that I've ever heard of. Now, okay. in fairness no one's really heard of Cook Serve Delicious. And I'm about to say why you should try that game. So maybe I shouldn't just poo-poo the other games they've made. Um, But no, I've not heard of them before this otherwise. But essentially, it is a restaurant management game, Mm. but not how you might expect it. So not overcooked. It's not overcooked, no. Although it has the same stress levels of overcooked, in fairness. (laughs) But not from the hectic nature of trying to run around and do something, but more in the Tetris sense of trying to get it just perfect. Mm. So the the main gist of the game is you, you start your restaurant day and you've chosen your menu for the day and you can choose different things to go on the menu that maybe uh, complement each other. So, for example, you might want to have like different sushi dishes on the same menu together, but you probably wouldn't want, say, sushi dishes along with burger dishes on the same menu because they don't gel very well. Uh, so you're not going to maximize sort of the amount of customers coming in and the amount of customers coming in determines how much money you make during the day. And then every time a customer comes in, you'll get an order to create some food. And it's pretty straightforward, really. You just follow the instructions on screen. So if you're making sushi, for example, like get these particular types of fish, chop them up, put them on the plate and serve them with whatever sort of condiments the customer wants. And that will vary from customer to customer. Like everyone will be slightly different. So you have to sort of pay attention. But if you try and just follow the instructions, you're going to get left behind very quickly because there is a time limit on all these orders. Like you're at a restaurant, people want their food quickly. And different food promotes different waiting times as well. So if you want to go for the high-end customer who's maybe willing to wait a little bit longer for sort of more extravagant food, but that food's going to be more complicated to make and you're more easy to make mistakes while making it, you know, it's a trade-off. And it 
almost as a result becomes a bit of a rhythm game. So okay. remember when I first started playing the initial one, Cook Serve Delicious One, you end up not even looking at the screen prompts after a while. You just notice sort of what customer has ordered. And you can even know exactly sort of the variation of what they've ordered. Say, for example, like they, they order a particular type of soup. You don't even have to look at the ingredients. You just press the keys on the keyboard like you're playing a piano almost because you know exactly what ingredients need to go into that soup and how it's supposed to be prepared, for example. Right. So it's very much a lose yourself in the in the rhythm of the game sort of game. Uh, a bit like maybe a, a bit like VVV, I guess, in that it becomes muscle memory. Mm. But also it's about stress management too. So you've got to sort of manage what to do and what not to do, what to do quicker, because certain things are going to expire faster and you're going to kind of cost you a perfect run, for example. Right. So it all comes down to sort of just like getting into the groove and the zone. I was going to say, it's one of those games, it sounds like it's one of those games where you have to like, you have to like slip in to this like mindset. Mm. It's like, if you think about it too much, no. you can't do it. And you have to like remain Zen and look at everything as a whole and sort of trust your subconscious to like automatically do stuff. And then yeah, if you definitely. get into that, it's very like rewarding. It, it's very much like that though. In the, when you do sort of slip into that sort of Zen state, as it were, you just notice all the orders at once, you know, what's yeah. going to come up first. And to make matters even worse, when you cook something, for example, you have to leave it cooking sometimes. Like certain dishes require time in the oven, for example. And if you leave them in the oven too long while you're preparing someone else's meal, it'll burn, you know. Mm. So you've got to be aware of orders that you've already finished as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite a charming design as well. Like it has a really nice look to it. It has a little bit of customization to it where you can customize the restaurants and you can kind of choose your menus quite nicely. The first game is a little bit limited to what foods you could make and you could only make certain combinations of foods work because they all sort of had like bonuses with each other so you ended up always choosing the same sort of collection of foods but the second game really improved that by adding a lot more variation and you don't just have to do a restaurant either so you can do things like i said like like a sushi bar maybe you can do like a burger joint or a pizza joint oh, but you can also cool. do things like a breakfast menu for example yeah. so you only make breakfast foods hmm. uh, or you can maybe do like a coffee shop or a tea shop or something and you That's become cool. a barista yeah yeah, yeah. And all the same mechanics of like here's the order prepare it in the right yeah. way by pressing the right keys in the right order sort of thing but it just means you can kind of do what you want yeah and, and you can mix it up a little bit that's cool so and it, it's coming out on switch mm-hmm. so if it's like a keyboard based will it how will that work on switch do you think it'll just use the four buttons right so i think it'll probably just use the controller setup like it will do on the ps4 uh, or course, you can yeah, also yeah, yeah. use like a controller on the pc which would just require you to sort of like press a shift key sort of thing to swap between different uh, button okay, types. Yeah, I get it. But I imagine that's going to be a little bit cumbersome because the mm. keyboard was definitely the way to go when I was playing it. Okay. But I mean, it's got touchscreen, so maybe you could use a touchscreen mm. affair. Yeah. Oh, it'd be interesting to see how they uh, how they mm. do it. It sounds cool, though. It's interesting. It's fun. It, it, it's, a, it's a bit like Tetris, like I say, in that you sort of go just one more try to get a perfect day. Mm. Because a run only lasts like eight minutes, I think. And... It's amazing how many times you make one tiny error and you're like, bugger, I could have done that. Like, yeah, I yeah. just, one more go, yeah. you know. No, that's cool. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. I might actually, I might, I might check that out. The next game for me, or the final game, I had to sneak it in because <laughs> it's one of my favorite games of all time, but it's 1099. So <laughs> oh, it's cheating. not... 
It's not under £10. Okay, but if you don't want to pay that extra 99p, listener, I will send you 99p (laughs) (laughs) so that it's under £10 or like it's £10 or under for you. Because Braid is such a fantastic game. Uh, It's from, again, from 2008, same time as World of Goo. It was actually considered expensive. A Mm. lot of reviews at the time said that it was too short for the price Um, It sort of drew some comparisons to Portal, I guess, in a way. It's only like about five hours, maybe less, depending on how well you get on with the puzzles. It's a puzzle platformer. Um, So there's definitely a running theme in all of my my games here, which is that they're all puzzle-based. Yeah, I mean, it was considered expensive in 2008, but I don't think anyone would consider it expensive now because no, I think for what it is. we, you know, now in 2019, we have a completely different view on the value of indie games. Yes, absolutely. I was going to say the same thing if like 2008 was sort of the beginning years almost yeah. of the indie scene becoming accessible to the average audience. Right. Because this is sort of when Xbox started doing Xbox Arcade, isn't it? Right. And actually, Braid was it was made by one guy, Jonathan Blow, um, who still makes games now. He also made The the Witness as well. Mm. He signed a deal with Microsoft to launch it on the 360 first. It was originally going to be a PC game. Mm-hmm. It was launched on um, Xbox Live Arcade. And I think it was a little bit more expensive on Xbox Live Arcade as well at the time. I'm not 100% sure. I know it was more expensive than he wanted it to be. I think he wanted it to be $10. Mm. But yeah, it was, yeah, exactly. It was like very early days of like people like Microsoft signing indie developers to make games for Xbox Live Arcade, right? So, you know, nowadays this would seem like a very reasonable price for the game that it is. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit challenging to play now. Like you, do, there's, it's not been released on any new consoles. So it's only Xbox 360, PS3, and then all of the Windows, Mac, and Linux. So you can play it on any of those. I think I actually maybe played it on Mac thinking about it. Wow. Because I remember, I think I got it in an indie bundle and I think it came with both Windows and oh, Mac right, okay. copies. And I think I played it on Mac. There was like a webcomic artist called David Hellman, and he did the artwork for it. Separate to Jonathan Blow, he who did all the level design and then sort of handed it over to David to do the to do the art for. Mm. And the artwork is is fantastic. It's very sort of like it's um, very unique. Yeah, it is. It's sort of almost like watercolory mm. drawing. Not very many frames of animation on anything, you know, and sort of a little bit like Game and Watch style movements and. The key thing about it is that it has a time traveling mechanic. So if you die, you can rewind time by just pressing and holding the shift key, essentially, and it just goes Mm. backwards in the game. But then that is then used in clever ways because each world then has its own kind of unique mechanic that interacts with that time traveling mechanic. Mm -hmm. So, for example, in one world, there will be elements of the level will be glowing green and those won't be affected by you rewinding time like they Mm. will still go forwards so like maybe a door that is like slowly closing or an a particular enemy won't like go backwards because you can also jump on like these little monsters to kill them like maybe an enemy won't go backwards uh when you rewind time there's also things like some things won't some things that will like break but then won't break if you rewind time there's a there's levels where like when you rewind time the camera moves backwards and then when you're going forwards in time it's moving forwards Mm. there's a one where you have like a shadow of you that replays everything that you did once you as you rewind time like so then there's two of you 
there's loads of different like mechanics and there's also some secrets in it as well so that i think there's six worlds and each one has a secret star which is really difficult to collect but there's not really any replayability and that's probably the worst thing about braid is that it's Mm. kind of a one shot you don't really have any desire to play it again Uh, there's only really one way of completing each puzzle you know and you and it's kind of like a a hunt to find the way to complete the puzzle in yeah each once level. you know the answer that's kind of a bit yeah. like portal for example and yeah. once you know how to beat it you sort of don't need to play it again exactly and there was no sequel uh, he did release like a level editor so i think that there are like community made levels but it also has this kind of weird highbrow ambiguous sort of plot and mm. and uh sort of fable if you like which is mostly nothing really happens until the very end retrospectively it received a little bit of criticism for like trying to be a bit too weird and a bit too kind of like fancy and philosophical but nonetheless at the very end of the game and i'm not going to spoil it for anyone that hasn't played it but at the very end of the game there's a really cool kind of storytelling moment that makes Mm. you just really go oh Oh. that's wow okay that's really interesting and and then the game ends and you're like Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> like that was like a really, really weird kind of moment at the end of the game that, that was up until that point just kind of a puzzle platformer. And then Listening that gets to you, you talk about this is really interesting because it's incredible how similar, if you remove the details of the game, it is to Celeste. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. 100%. There's so many similarities between sort of the gameplay mechanics, but also so sort of say the more ambiguous storytelling elements of the game too and it's interesting that you've chosen so many games that have very similar beats to them it must really resonate with you it does like super cool i'm definitely a sucker for like a game that has a a subplot you know or like some kind of narrative that you don't really know and is never a hundred percent revealed to you and people have their theories like one theory about braid is that it's it's actually sort of like a telling of the discovery of the atomic bomb Um, Mm. because you are called Tim and you look a little bit like a scientist or like a professor. And Mm. so there's sort of like a thing about like Einstein and relativity and stuff like that. But it's like, that's only a theory. There's no, and and Jonathan Blow himself has said, like, there's no specific, whatever, there's no specific answer. Make up what you will and enjoy it as a result. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So yeah, not under 10 pounds, but one of my favorite games of all time. So close enough. (laughs) <laughs> still worth putting your money down on the table or picking it up on a sale which inevitably there will be at oh, one point yeah, or another of for course. it yeah. uh, as there are oftentimes with these older games yeah. uh, which is what I did with my last game actually mm. which is called Do Not Feed the Monkeys Okay, it's eight ninety nine <laughs> normally uh, it's only available on PC but I think I picked it up for like Two ninety nine or something yeah. <laughs> you know again with all these games although they are under £10 you can pick them up at any time they'll almost certainly be on a ridiculous deal where it's like less than a cup of coffee or something so yeah, if you're not absolutely. fussed about when you pick them up definitely definitely wait for them to go on offer but this one like is only on PC like I say and it's developed by a company called Fiction Rama Studios which I don't think they've done anything else that I could tell like I had a Google hmm. round nothing came up at that all that might be why it's not on any other platforms it might have been that that's not really a studio right no, and it's actually not. a you know one one person or a set of people and this is what they've done and they're actually they all go they work elsewhere now and yeah there is exactly. no team to port it which is possible i actually don't know how old the game is i should have looked that up but i don't think it's super old uh i think it's maybe a, a year or two old okay but the the general gist of it is that it is a point and click puzzle surveillance game so you sit within your apartment and you have access to this network of like cctv cameras mm. which get more get unlocked throughout the game as you do certain challenges and tasks 
and there are varying things. So some of them will be watching people's apartments. Some of them will be watching, say, maybe like an empty parking lot. Some of them will be watching like a, a busy museum, that kind of thing. And the general gist of the game is that you have to discover information by watching these cameras, but not being able to really interact with them. You aren't supposed to feed the monkeys, which is the point of the game. <laughs> uh, you must interact with the people within the, the, the cameras. Yeah. But sometimes you need to sort of pay attention to what people are saying and make certain deductions. So, for example, the f- very first one that you'll come across where you are watching a person who is watching a person. So you are got CCTV footage of someone in an attic who's spying on someone across the road. Mm. And you have to sort of make deductions about who the person is, who they're spying on, why they're spying on them. And when they say things in the game, it's not voice acted. It's all just text. But when they say something that which is, say, notable, the text will be like in a different colour, be like in yellow. And you can click on that and add that sort of the dossier of the person's that you're looking at and then you can mix and match combinations of those words in the search engine with the game to sort of search for things on the internet so they might say like a combination of things and then when you search that up you end up finding out that that's the a combination that matches this person that they're looking at and Mm. you can discover who they're who they're watching for example and then the game kind of becomes a a bit of a puzzler in that sense but also a bit of a a management game like a resource management game in that you only have so much money and you need money to pay the rent and who the landlady comes around surprisingly often coming out every three days for rent i don't feel that's how it works <laughs> that's a terrible um, that's a terrible, a terrible contract situation yeah but you also have to buy things like food and and drink and stuff like that and you also have to sleep as well but obviously doing those things wastes time that you could be watching the cameras and certain things only happen at certain times of the day on certain days of the week so you've got to manage your time as well as your energy and your food and and your money but you also need to make sure that you've got enough money to buy the next set of cameras because if you don't make enough money to buy the next cameras you kind of lose the game as it were within a certain time period so the game sort of like always in encouraging you to feed the monkeys to get more money because by doing that you can sort of extort money out of people or you can save people and get rewards for say crime rewards or whatever it's an interesting mix between risk management and resource management whilst also being a little bit tongue-in-cheek it's a little bit silly it's a little bit campy it has like a really pleasant sort of fun cartoony art style to it uh, kind of like a pixelated sprite art style right and sometimes the the cameras can be just kind of silly uneventful cameras of just like an airport where nothing happens right. whereas other times it might be like a really kind of creepy basement where things change each night uh it's really mm. clever like i really enjoyed the game as an experience more than a game if that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah. like a lot of the other games on this list that we talked about are like actual puzzle games or mm. like games that you play if that makes sense whereas this is almost more of an experience where you puzzle things out just with, with clicking on the mouse sort of thing right okay but it's really fun it it reminds me of games a bit like beholder or orwell if you've played either of those two games mm. where again you have to sort of like watch people and deduce certain details from things people have said or other sort of thought sources of information um so it almost feels like you're a bit of a de- detective you know mm. interesting it's funny actually that it is kind of the only experience based game on this list because actually for the price point you would expect us to have picked 
more than one because it mm. is very much this is very much a price point where where games often intersect with films you know in a way where it's sort of mm. like maybe a game that's you know a couple of hours long and is barely more than a walking simulator right but mm. actually we've not we, we've picked out surprisingly few of, of, of those as a thing but we hope that the games that we've just talked about today have encouraged you to want to try something a bit different a bit new because one of the things that I'm always keen to do is be playing something new. I don't like to keep playing the same thing over and over again. And sometimes you don't feel like playing a big, like, 100-hour-long, you know, epic. Oh, yeah. You know, you just want to pick something up that's kind of new and interesting, play it for maybe 5, 10 hours, and put it back down again. Mm. Don't be wrong. Some of these games have spent a lot more time with that on. But other games like Feed the Monkeys, for example, I've paid for 10 hours. And I might play it again in future, but probably not. But for £9... 10 hours worth of entertainment is pretty good. Very good. <laughs> it certainly beats uh, going to the cinema, that's for sure. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I, I, the same for me as well. You know, I always think that this price point is where there are a lot of games that are really creative and are really trying something different and they've not necessarily been produced with a large budget. So as a result, they can, they've can they taken more risks in the way that the game's mm. been produced And because you can be more forgiving about things that are rough around the edges. And actually, I don't think any of the games we've, list, we've listed by the sounds of it are rough around the edges in no, any way. No, not really, actually. They're all pretty well-established, well-built games. Mm. And maybe we'll do another episode in future where we do sort of pick games which are not quite as as complete or maybe mm. a little bit like rough like you say but still have a really interesting mechanical theme to them work your way down to like games under a fiver right that would be the, yeah. <laughs> the only one that's uh shellshock live and vvvvv would have fit on that list but yeah that's the rest that, of them, yeah. it definitely becomes more of a challenge if we've missed a game that you're like that is my favorite game and it's under a tenner um and you should definitely have played it uh then you can email us and let us know. It's show at octal.fm to send us an email. We're also on Twitter at octal.fm. And we're on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash octal.fm. Come find us on any of those and tell us about tell us about your game that you really like that's under £10. And then if it's something that we decide to try out, then maybe we'll do another episode of fan-related Absolutely. game suggestions. That'd be fun. Yeah, it would be fun. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, I've been Jelana. And I've been Sefran. And catch us again for another episode of Octal FM very soon. For me, I'm not going to start with me. I start with me way too often. I do that when I'm editing as well. I'm like, why am I saying for me? Like, no, say something different for once. Be creative. So if you want to go for sort of the high-end budget, that doesn't make sense, high-end budget. <laughs>